0: Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Welcome to Epic. Uh, my name is Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And that video does a great job of capturing one of the most difficult things for us to do in life and one of the most difficult things to do around Christmas time, and that is to wait. I mean, don't you just hate to wait? I know I do, but there's a lot of waiting involved in Christmas. So we wait for family to come in town, and then what do we do? We wait for family to leave town. No (laughs) offense if, like, you're here from out of town, but somebody's probably waiting for you to leave. (laughs) We wait to buy gifts, we wait to wrap gifts, we wait to give gifts, and we wait even to assemble gifts. So so maybe you've got kids and uh, you have a gift that says some assembly required on it. I just hate those gifts. Uh, My wife, when she brings home one of those gifts for one of my kids, we have four kids, and when I see one of those gifts come in or multiple gifts that come in that say some assembly required, I just know there's gonna be frustration and waiting involved in that gift. And so I think it was last year, after hours of putting together my kids' toys and gifts, I mean, hours into the the Christmas morning. And one of the wonderful things that, that we do in our family is my wife thinks it's real important to wait to put the gifts out under the tree until the kids have gone to bed. That's exciting, but it requires a lot of waiting for me because I like to go to bed early on Christmas Eve and every night of the year. And so I know that day I'm going to stay up later and be involved in putting (coughs) gifts together and then putting them under the tree. So I think it was last year, after hours of putting gifts together and waiting into the wee hours of Christmas morning, I turned to my wife and I said, do you want some help with that? Because I was just tired of waiting on her to get these kids presents put together because I wanted to play with those gifts before we gave them to our kids because I know once my kids get them, I'm not able to touch them. Now, uh, let me ask you this question. How many of you open your gifts on Christmas Eve? Okay, hold on. Let me look closely. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands. Nobody's going to hurt you. Okay, so the rest of us want you to know how wrong it is for you to do that. That is just horribly wrong. And so I think this year we should shift things up a little bit. So if you normally open your gifts on Christmas day, then I think you should open your gifts on Christmas Eve. And if you open your gifts on Christmas Eve, I think you should wait till February, you know, just to make up for the past few years where you've, you've been off just a little bit. Well, um, like I said, my wife and I have four kids, and Christmas morning can be a little chaotic at times, especially when they were younger. Uh, so we would get up, and our kids would get us out of bed, and, and we would hold our kids back as long as we possibly could to, to make the morning last as, as long as it could. And then when we couldn't wait any longer, and they couldn't wait any longer, we'd let them go, and it's like four Tasmanian devils going around our house, and you know we got paper everywhere, and, and the morning was over. And so what I thought was, like, how do we slow that down a little bit? Like, I, I just hate when it goes so fast. So how do we slow this process down? So here's what we came up with a few years ago. So what we do on Christmas morning is we get all of our kids together. So everybody's around. There are six of us. And then we've, we've got our dog involved as well. And the dog has to have a present, you know, every year. I don't know why, but she does. Uh, so when we give a gift out to each person, there may be a couple of gifts out. And so everybody's got a couple of gifts. And then we go one by one opening those gifts one at a time. So first person opens a gift. All right. First, before you open the gift, who's it from? That's important because years past, we didn't care about that. It was just, hey, I had my name on it. So rip it open. All right. Who's it from? Okay. Who's it from? Great. Got that. Open the gift. All right. Now you get to celebrate to go thank that person for, for getting you that gift. And then we go to the next person and then the next person. And then the next person, and then the next person. So we go around one time, and then we go for round two. You know, you get your next gift, you get to open. And as a parent, it is so much fun. My kids hate it, (laughs) but I love it. It slows the morning down beautifully. But my kids, you can see them—at least a couple of them—their eyes are twitching, and they're getting real hyper. It's like they had a bunch of coffee all morning. Like, hey, hey, is it my turn yet? Didn't you just go? Like, can we open two this time? And they're so excited. To open gifts on Christmas morning. So if you have kids, I highly recommend using that strategy this Christmas. Your kids will hate me. Um, (laughs) Anyway, it'll make the the Christmas morning a little bit longer. All right, let's shift gears for, for just a moment. It's one thing to wait for Christmas gifts. It's a whole other thing to wait for other kinds of things around the Christmas season or in life in general. And there's a lot of things that people wait for that's very hard to wait for like the single person who's waiting to see if they'll ever find someone who will love them deeply. They look around, and they see people celebrating the holidays, and and they love that, and they they watch, you know, people enjoying their relationship, and they wonder, when am I ever going to get to do that? Then there are the people who are financially in some trouble. And, you know, Christmas comes and adds an extra burden and especially if they have kids and trying to figure out how do I get gifts and how do I pay rent or mortgage and all that. And so they're in this struggle of waiting to see, am I going to be able to pay the bills this month? Are we going to go without water? Are we going to go without electricity? Am I going to be another month behind in my bills? Then there are the people waiting for Christmas to be over. For a majority of us, Christmas is great. We love it. It comes, and, and we love to celebrate That's my favorite time of year from Thanksgiving to Christmas. But there are other people that Christmas is not a fun season. It brings some painful memories. I have a friend uh, who eight years ago buried his young daughter who died of cancer. And eight years later, he hates Christmas. He can't, kind of can't wait for Christmas to be over because it just brings this painful memory Of having to bury one of his kids. Then there are people waiting to get a medical diagnosis for some mysterious illness that they have. They don't know what they're dealing with. They've been going from doctor to doctor to doctor, and they can't get an answer. And we have some people in our church family that are wrestling with that. And they're not even just all that interested in a treatment plan. They're just interested in a diagnosis If I can just have a diagnosis, then maybe I can know what we're dealing with and what to do. And so they wait on that. Then there's those who maybe know what they're dealing with, and they're waiting for healing. Just found out a couple of weeks ago, my brother-in-law lives in North Carolina. He's in his early 50s. He's been battling cancer for a number of years, and he's done all kinds of medical things. He's done um, chemo, radiation, uh, stem cell uh, replacement. He's done um, bone marrow and The doctors just told him that his cancer's back, and it's spread. And unless God intervenes, my brother-in-law is waiting to die. So imagine that kind of waiting. So as we begin this morning, let me just ask, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for God to do in your life? What are you waiting for God to do in your finances, in a relationship that you have, What are you waiting for God to do maybe in your career, in your marriage, with one of your kids, maybe yourself? Maybe you look at your own heart and say, man, like, I'm I'm not the same person I used to be. So what are you waiting for God to do in your life? Now, when we're waiting, we often ask God some questions. One of those questions is, why? Why, God? Why do I have to wait? Why, Why am I in this spot? Another question that we ask is, God, how long? How long do I have to wait? How long are you going to make me wait? How long do I have to wait for my finances to turn around? How long do I have to wait for this relationship to be fixed? How long till I get a diagnosis or I get a healing? Or how long until till my wayward child comes home? Or how long until I can beat this addiction that's been haunting me for years? How long? If you've ever asked that question, you're not alone. That question has been asked for thousands of years. It's even been asked by some very committed Christ followers. And we saw that a couple of weeks ago when David, uh, the King David, he was actually uh, David and Goliath, if you know that story. He grew up to be the second king of the nation of Israel. And he asked that question. He said, God, how long until you come and rescue me? So that's a real common question that we all ask. And it was the question that the, the nation of Israel was asking between the Old Testament part of the Bible and the New Testament part of the Bible. So they were asking, God, how how long do we have to wait? Now, if you're new to the Bible, let me explain something real quick about the Bible. Um, It is broken into those two main parts, the Old Testament part and the New Testament part. The Old Testament part was written about the creation of the world. That's kind of where it begins. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then it goes all the way to about 430 BC. So that's the time period of the Old Testament part of the Bible. Then the New Testament part of the Bible picks up with right before the birth of Jesus. And it goes all the way to the book of Revelation, which talks about the end times, Christ's return, and, and what kind of the beginning of eternity is gonna look like for us. And in Genesis, I think it's chapter 12, God comes to a man named Abraham. And he says, Abraham, I'm choosing you to be my specially chosen people, you and your descendants. So Abraham and his descendants became known as the Israelites. God's specially chosen people. And God said, listen, through you, I'm gonna bless the entire world. And God did that through Jesus. When he brought Jesus into the world, sent Jesus into the world, Jesus was the blessing that, that we would receive because God chose one man and one group of people, the Israelites. Again, the, the Israelites were waiting in, in that time frame. And there's something very interesting happened there. They waited roughly 400 years for God to speak. 400 years. Not four years, not 40 years. 400 years. So imagine that kind of waiting, generation after generation after generation, where every generation wonders, like, is this the year that God's going to speak? Or wonders, God, how long are you going to make us wait? How long will we have to wait? Now, what I'm about to tell you is nowhere close to 400 years. But in my own life, over eight years ago, My wife came down with a mysterious illness that took us two and a half years to get a diagnosis, two and a half years. And we went from doctor to doctor looking for a diagnosis. We went specialist to specialist. We saw probably 10 to 15 different specialists. We went to Shan's Hospital in Gainesville two different times, just hoping that we could find an answer. And with every doctor appointment, we would go and we would have these hopes of just maybe this time we'll find out. And then we'd walk away from that appointment with our hopes dashed. Because the doctor would say, and we heard this over and over again, I'm sorry, but we don't know what's wrong with you. We're not sure what to tell you. We know what you don't have, but we don't know what you have. And so we would walk away wondering, how long? And there were many nights in that two-and-a-half-year window where my wife would lay in bed in pain. She'd be bedridden for weeks on end. She would lay in bed in extreme pain, and there were even nights she would lay in bed crying out, almost screaming in pain. And my four kids would lay in their beds listening to their mom cry out in pain. I would sit next to her praying, God, would you please intervene? Would you please heal? Would you please step in? Would you please answer? And we would fall asleep exhausted, from waiting on God. Some of you know what that's like. Some of you have been there, or maybe you are there, and and you know what it's like to wait on God day after day, month after month, maybe even year after year, and you keep asking God, would you please speak? Would you please answer? Would you please intervene? That's where the nation of Israel was. 400 years of waiting for God to speak. And then one day their waiting was over and God spoke and God spoke in the most profound way. So how about another round of applause for our children's ministry and our kids, volunteers. They have done An amazing job at that. So we're so grateful for them and and what they do. So it was over 2,000 years ago that God ended Israel's waiting and ultimately ended our waiting. And you think about how God could have done that. He, He could have spoken from heaven and ended our waiting. He could have dispatched millions of angels to come and speak for him. But God decided to do the unthinkable. And that was to show up in human form. So listen to how Luke chapter two records that. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Verse 11, the Savior, yes, The Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. One of the most amazing things happened over 2,000 years ago. God became flesh. He stepped into our world He stepped into my world. He stepped into your world. He stepped into my problems. He stepped into my waiting. He stepped into your problems. He stepped into your waiting. And what did he step in to do? To save us, to rescue us. It's amazing to think what what Jesus has done for us in ending our waiting. And when you think about the 400 years of waiting that the nation of Israel did in that timeframe between the Old Testament and the New Testament, And even though uh, my wife and I waited two and a half years to get a diagnosis, we've been waiting since then for total healing. And even though maybe you have waited, however long you have waited on whatever you are waiting for, that doesn't mean that God isn't actively working behind the scenes. God is always actively working. There's always something that God is doing. Even when we don't feel like we can see him, even when we feel like, I don't know what you're doing or where you are, God is always At work. There are many things I don't like about waiting. There are many things I don't understand about waiting. But I do know that God uses waiting in some profound ways in our lives. So here's just a few of those ways. I think number one, through waiting, when we learn how to wait, it has the opportunity to strengthen our faith and deepen our character. If you think about it from God's perspective, what does He want for His followers? That's that's the biggest thing I think God wants out of his followers, that we be people of deep faith and strong character. Well, guess how those things develop? Through suffering, through struggle, through waiting. That's how those things are developed in us. And as I look back over those couple of years where my wife and I waited for God to, to, to speak and provide us an answer for what we were dealing with, I am retrospectively glad that God made us wait. Now if you were to ask me in that time frame was I glad? My answer would be no. I'm not glad that I'm waiting, but as I look back I'm glad because in that time frame it created an opportunity for me to grow my faith in God. It created an opportunity for me to strengthen my character. That opportunity happened in a season of waiting. I said last week that uh, often what happens in us while we are waiting is more important than what we're waiting for. So from God's perspective, as he watches us go through a waiting season, what can happen inside of us, which is a deeper faith, a stronger character, a closer relationship with him, those things have eternal value. God cares very much about those things. God knows that we will benefit from them for all of eternity. And so from that perspective, he says, it's worth the wait. It's worth the wait for us to develop those things. And we need to gather that perspective. We need to gather a perspective that that we, even though we say like, I don't understand it, I don't like it, a perspective that God has that we say, you know what? This waiting has an opportunity to grow something in us that may not grow any other way. Another thing that happens in our waiting, it has the possibility to happen in our waiting, is that we have the chance to grow closer in our relationship with God. And I know that sounds kind of weird. It sounds weird that God's silence or waiting on God would give us an opportunity to grow our relationship with him. But I've found it to be true, and there have been millions of Christ followers who have found that to be true. So in, in my journey, and my, my wife's journey, in her medical journey, we got to the spot where we knew that only God Could heal. Only God could do it. You know, there was a season where like, okay, we'll find a doctor, the doctor will will do their thing, and we'll figure it out, and it'll be great, and you'll get fixed. And then after doctor, after doctor, after doctor, we got to the spot where we said, God, only you can do this. And so it gave us this opportunity to choose God, to pursue God, to keep going after God. And in that moment, we're like, God, we don't know what you're doing, but we're gonna keep pursuing you in the midst of this. So it gave us an opportunity to grow our relationship with him. And it also gave us an opportunity to grow our relationship with each other. I look back at that journey, and I am so grateful for it, even though I look back and there's some pain, there's some scars, there's some, some heartache with it still that we deal with. But it taught me to love my wife in a way that I had not understood before. Learned to love my wife in a whole new way. We've learned to depend on each other in a whole new way that we hadn't understood before. It's drawn us closer together. It's drawn my kids and and our family closer together. So it's made us stronger in the midst of waiting. So there are some amazing things that can happen in us if we learn how to wait on God. So just hold that thought for a moment, okay, as we're going to shift gears. We've spent the first part of today and the last two weeks talking about the waiting that we have done on God, and that's frustrating. You know, we get tired of waiting for God to work, get tired of waiting for God to heal, get tired of waiting for God to provide, but so often we, we fail to think about the waiting that God has done, the waiting that God is doing. So for the rest of our time, I just want to consider some of the waiting that God is doing right now. So after creating humanity, God waited for us to love him the way that he loves us. But by the 3rd chapter in the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 3, we rejected God's love. We said no thanks. We'll do it our own way. We don't like your way. We don't like your plan. Like we'll do it by ourselves. And if if you're familiar with the story in the Bible of Adam and Eve, you know that they ate this forbidden fruit, this fruit that God said not to eat. And just curious, anybody, like when you get to heaven, do you want to have a conversation with Adam and Eve about that choice? Anybody here like frustrated, like, hey, if you wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't be where I am. All right, so we like to give Adam and Eve a hard time. Um, But here's the reality. We would have made the exact same decision. Why? Why? Because we make the exact same decision, I make that kind of decision on a daily basis in big ways and small ways. There are ways that I say, "God, you know, what? I got it today. I don't need to read the Bible. I don't need to pray as much. I don't need to depend on you. Like I got, I can do it on my own. God, I don't want your plan. I don't want you intervening. I don't want you doing, telling me what to do here. I'll do it by myself." So we all have this thing called sin nature. We all sin, big ways and small ways. And what that decision to eat the forbidden fruit did, it brought a curse of sin and death into our world, something that we all hate. We hate living with the consequences of that, but it's a reality. And every day we bring it into our world with the decisions that we make. And that decision created a separation between the God who loves us and us. And so God would have to wait to end that separation that we created. Shortly after that, the population of the world increased significantly, and by Genesis chapter 6, this is such a sad chapter, God's looked through the earth and the hearts and minds of people. Genesis chapter 6 verse 5 says this, here's what God saw. He, he saw the extent of human wickedness and saw that everything that we thought and imagined was totally and consistently evil. How sad that is. God created us out of his incredible love and waits for us to love him back and he looks at humanity and all he sees in our hearts and in our minds is evil intent. And so God started over and he chose a man named Noah and his family and he waited for humanity to respond to his love. But by Genesis chapter 11, God had to intervene again was a story of the Tower of Babel where, where we were building this tower to the heavens. And it wasn't about, you know, God's power at work in our lives. It was about us and our pride and what we could accomplish. So God had to step in and intervene. And God waited for us to love him back. Then in Genesis chapter 12, God spoke with Abraham and he said, Abraham, I'm choosing you and your descendants. You're gonna be my specially chosen people. And Abraham's descendants became known as the Israelites. And God waited for the Israelites to understand their incredible need for him. He waited for years for that. And then through a, a season of pain and suffering and struggle the Israelites cried out to God for help and God responded. God stepped in. God gave them the 10 commandments. God said like you're going to be my people. Let me teach you the best way to live with me with each other and to represent me to the world and he taught them how to live and then God waited. God waited for them to obey. God waited for them to respond to his love and God waited and God waited and he waited over a thousand years. God waited. And ultimately, the Israelites didn't respond. There, there were a few people throughout that course of time. There was a few moments. But ultimately, the Israelites turned away from God consistently. They got to the point where they would sacrifice their own kids to other gods that they were worshiping after they'd turned their back on God. So imagine that. Imagine how, how badly that would break God's heart when he looks down and he sees these people he's created and the love that he has for them, and they are sacrificing their children to another false god. So God had to intervene. He said, I've got to end this. I've got to step in and end this, this uh, control of sin that is over the people that I love. So 2,000 years ago, God decided it was time. So he sent Jesus to earth. And again, the most profound thing that, I, like, I don't know that we can comprehend this. God became flesh. God, the creator of the universe, became a little baby, showed up and, and planted earth to be our savior. And then God would have to wait 33 and a half years. Jesus grew up, lived a perfect life, God would have to wait for him to fulfill his mission on planet Earth. And what was that mission? To live a perfect life and to die for us. To die a death that he didn't deserve. Why? So that we could be restored to a right relationship with God that would go all the way back to Adam and Eve before their bad decision. So, so Jesus could hit the reset button and make it possible for us to go back and enter a personal relationship with the creator of the universe that would last For eternity. It's been a long time since that time frame. And it's kind of weird to talk about Jesus' death when we're talking about Jesus' birth, but you can't separate the two. They are bookends. Jesus came here, he was born to die. So if you've ever wondered, what is Jesus doing right now? Again, it's been a long time since his resurrection. Well, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12 and 13, tells us that he is sitting on his throne in heaven. And he's waiting. He's waiting for his enemies to be eternally defeated. His enemies of sin and evil and death and disease. And until that time frame, he waits. Now, 2 Peter chapter 3 tells us something else that God is waiting for. Starting in verse 9. says, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. What's that promise? He's promised to return. Jesus has promised to come back and make all things new. So the author here says, God's not being slow about his promise. No, he's being patient for whose sake? Your sake, our sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed. He wants everyone to repent. Verse 15 says, and remember... The Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. So God is waiting for people to put their faith and trust in him as their personal Lord and savior. Ultimately, that's the only way that we can return his love. That's the way we start that process of returning God's love. That's the only way we can enter a relationship with God that will last forever. And God wants that more than anything. That's why he was willing to allow his son to die on a cross for us. So God is waiting right now for some people to put their faith and trust in him for the very first time. And maybe you're in that spot. Maybe you're here today. You've never done that before. God is waiting for you to say, you know what, I I need a savior, to admit you need a savior and receive him as your savior. I'm gonna talk about that in, in just a minute. For other people, I think God is, is waiting for you to come back. Like maybe you've been a, a season away from God. Like you walked away and said, you know, I, I'm tired of waiting on you, God. I'm going to go do it my own way. I'm going to go fix this problem with my strength, my power. And maybe you've been on a path that you just recognize today, like it's been a, a bad path. And maybe God is waiting for you to return. Or maybe God is waiting for you to trust him. Maybe you've been in a difficult season of waiting and God is saying like, hey, I've created this opportunity, this, this, this chance for you to grow your faith and deepen your character. And God's been waiting to see, will you do that? Or will you be tempted to walk away from him? So what is God waiting for you to do this Christmas season? If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, I'm gonna walk you through a a way that you can do that. You can enter a personal relationship with the creator of the universe. And this is so mind-boggling that we can actually do this. But get the concept. God the Father is actually making Jesus wait so that more people can put their faith in, in him. And maybe that's you. Maybe God is holding Jesus back saying, no, wait, wait, just wait. There's a few more. There's a few more that I know this Christmas season that will put their faith in me. Just wait, hold on. Hold on, Jesus, I know you're eager. I know you want to go back and make things right, but just wait. Maybe you're one of those people today. Entering a relationship with the God of the universe is based upon three beliefs. It's based upon the belief that we are sinners in need of a savior. Again, uh, Jesus came as a savior you know, if we would have needed a government official to show up and, and show us how to correctly you know, uh, lead our, our nation, then God would have sent a politician. I'm glad some of you enjoyed that. It's half half a joke. If, if we would have needed a strong military official to demonstrate God's you know, military power to the world, God would have sent a general but he knew we needed a savior. We need to be rescued. And what? From sin. From those little decisions, those big decisions that we make to turn away from God. So the second belief that a relationship with God is based upon is the belief that Jesus is that savior. Jesus said in John 14, six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the father but by me. Let me just make this super clear. There's no way into a relationship with the creator of the universe around Jesus. It's not possible. It's through Jesus. You want to know why Jesus is so important? Scripture says there's no other name under heaven by which you must be saved. We can't get there any other way. It's through a personal relationship with Jesus and what he did on the cross for us. The last belief is that we believe Jesus died so we can live. We believe that. Uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's a promise, a promise from God based upon a belief that we have. So if you have never done that before, I'm going to guide you in a way that you can do this, and I'm going to show you a prayer uh, that you can pray. Now, every time I guide people through a prayer, I need you to understand this isn't the secret formula. Okay, it's not a matter of, I'm gonna say these words and I'm in. It's, it's a matter of what's going on in our heart, a decision that we make in our head, and our heart to say, I believe this. And now I'm going to live this way to prove the decision that I've made that's about Jesus and what he's done for me. So here's the prayer, model prayer that, that you can pray. God, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I believe Jesus is that savior and died so I can live. And I commit to follow you the rest of my life. It's that simple. Isn't that so profound? That we can enter a relationship with the creator of the universe that lasts forever by saying a prayer like that and following it up by living a life that proves what we meant when we prayed that. Doesn't mean we're perfect. Just means we're working every day to grow our relationship with God. So I'm going to guide us through this prayer and I'm just going to pray this prayer right here. If you would like to put your faith in Jesus for the very first time, I encourage you to pray this quietly in your heart to God as I pray through it. So let's all pray together. God, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe Jesus is that Savior who died so I can live. And today, I commit to follow you the rest of my life, in Jesus' name, amen. So if you have prayed that prayer for the very first time today, uh, you can celebrate communion in a whole new way this year. You can celebrate communion because you have just ended some of God's waiting. You have just become a child of the King, and that is worth celebrating. So if you've just done that, let me tell you a few things I encourage you to do. Number one, I encourage you to tell someone the decision that you've made today. Tell someone that you came with. Tell me. Tell someone that you see this afternoon. Just tell someone, today, I ended some of God's waiting. I put my faith and trust in Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. What an amazing decision that you'll benefit from for all of eternity. Now I encourage you to grow your relationship with him. So it's a new relationship. So you gotta learn how to to grow in this right relationship. And there's several ways you can do that. You can grab a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles at the back of each seating section. Take one of those as our free gift to you. Stop by our Connection Center. You can pick up a Spiritual Growth Challenge. It's just a one-page document that helps us dig deeper in what we're learning on Sundays. It's got a Bible reading plan along with that. So just pick up one of those. You can go to our website at theepicchurch.com. We've got a resources tab. It's got a whole bunch of articles there that'll help you. grow in your new relationship with God. So do any, any number of those things. And here's one of the most important things when we're growing a relationship with God is when you learn something, apply it to your life. So if you see something in the Bible where God says, hey, do this, do that, and you will grow in your relationship with him. It may be difficult. It may be hard. But when you do those things, you grow your faith and you grow your character, the things that God wants us to do. Now, the the next thing that you can do is you can take communion, again, in a whole new way. So we're going to transition and take communion together as a church family. So if you're new to us, let me explain how we do that. Uh, We've got communion tables set up in the front and in the back. So we've got two tables up here. We've got two tables in the back. In a moment, I'm going to pray. And then after I pray, you're free to get up from your seat and to move to one of these tables. So find a table that's closest to you, um, and then the communion elements will be there. At Epic, uh, communion is open to anyone who's put their faith and trust in Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. So if you've done that today, or if you've done that another time in your life, you're not only invited to take communion, you are encouraged to take communion today. This is something that Jesus did with his disciples, and he said, I'm not going to do this again until I celebrate it in God's kingdom, when God's kingdom is finally here. So it's something that God wants us doing on a a consistent basis. So when you get up out of your seat, you come to the table, you'll find several things. You'll find uh, the communion elements. You'll find little pieces of bread. You'll find little cups of juice. So the bread represents Christ's body, which was broken for us. And the juice represents Christ's blood, which was poured out for us as part of that new promise, that new covenant that that Jesus is going to come back again one day and make all things new. So when you come up to the table, I encourage you to pick up a piece of bread, pick up a cup of juice, and then step to a side. We've got some space up here for you to move around or in the back, or you can go sit back down, whatever you're most comfortable with. But I encourage you to pause. Before you take communion, pause and say a prayer to God. And it could be something like this. God, thank you for waiting for me. Thank you for waiting, maybe all of your life, Or over these these past months, as you've been growing your faith and your character, you're like, God, thank you for waiting. Thank you for giving me an opportunity to grow my faith and character that will benefit me for all of eternity. Just say something to God along the lines of, thank you for waiting for me. And then go ahead and take communion uh, by yourself during this song that's going on. So at the end of this music video that we'll be playing, then everybody should have taken communion on their own. So hopefully that makes sense. Now, one more thing. When you come up to the communion tables, there are little gifts, little boxes, little gray boxes, little red boxes. That's our free gift to you. So we'd love for you to take one of those before you sit down, or if you've got to come back after the service and grab one, feel free to do that. It's, it's a gift for you. Let me just tell you, there's not a marshmallow in there, okay? Just so you know. So it, some of you are disappointed. And you don't have to wait to open it. You can open it on your way out if you want to. All right? So Matthew chapter 26 says this. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. And he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, take this and eat it for this is my body. He took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, each of you drink from it for this is my blood which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Mark my words, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for all the waiting that you have done on us. So often we struggle with this concept of waiting. We get frustrated with you when you don't work in our time frame. And yet, God, so often we just don't consider the waiting that you have done and the waiting that you are doing and and what that means. Even waiting for Christ to come back and make all things new, you're patiently waiting so that more people can put their faith in you. Because after that moment, it's going to be super hard for people to do that. And so you're waiting And you ask us to wait. And while we wait, God, you ask us to grow our faith, deepen our character, grow our relationship with you, and and be consistent as we serve you while we wait for that day when Jesus is going to come back. And you decide, it's time. I'm going to end the waiting. I'm going to send Jesus. So Lord, I pray for those maybe who put their faith and trust in you today for the very first time. I pray that they would choose to grow their faith. I pray that they would dive into your Bible. I pray that they would start reading and applying and learning what it means to grow in that relationship with you. And Lord, I pray for others or maybe someone here who's been away from you. I pray that today would be the day and they would mark it by by saying, you know that Christmas season 2015 was the time I came back. I came back and I got back in the right relationship with the creator of the universe. And Lord, there's others that, that need to trust you while they wait. I pray that they would. I pray that they would choose to grow their faith and deepen their character while they wait on you to work in their difficult situation. God, thank you for the privilege and honor that we have to celebrate your birth and to celebrate communion together. We look forward to the day That we get to celebrate this type of service with you in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: All righty. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Epic Church. My name is Chris. I've got a couple of quick announcements for you before Trent comes out to give us his message. First of all, I would like to invite any newcomers to stop by our Connection Center after service. It's located just on the other side of these curtains over here. We'll have somebody at the table. They'll be available to answer any questions that you may have. And if not, we'll get a chance to meet you personally instead. I'd like to ask you to look on your seat for one moment. You're going to see a square flyer. It says, winning at work. And what this is, is this this is a men's event that is sponsored by several local churches. It's actually going to be hosted by Palm Coast Community Church. And it's going to be January the 29th, it's a Friday, and it starts at 4.30, there's going to be things like cornhole, and dunk tank, and I don't know, maybe some arm wrestling, you know, like manly stuff, right, it's a men's event, right, so we're going to do really, maybe thumb wrestling, who knows, we'll see, but... It starts at 4.30, then about 6 o'clock, the event starts. We're going to have dinner, and we're going to hear from two CEOs from some major companies here in the U.S., and these guys are Christians, and what they're going to do is they're going to give us some input, some advice, give us some tools on how to win at work and how to win at this thing we call life. So I encourage you to think about going to this. It's going to be a great, great time. Uh, one of the really cool things I'll touch on real quick is that we're not only going to just listen to people talking to us from the stage, that after that, we're going to have breakout sessions. So all the guys from Epic Church are going to go to one area, and Palm Christmas Community Church go to another area. Maybe Parkview Church is going to go to another area. And we're going to apply right there, sight on scene, what we're being taught. So it's going to be a really good time. Uh, You can go to our website, which is theepicchurch.com, and you can sign up there, get a little more information. If you sign up in December, the cost is $20. If you sign up after December, once January starts, it does go up to $25. That includes the conference and dinner that night. So think about it. Uh, Ladies, if you have a significant other that's not here, feel free to take this home and uh, pass it on. We'd love to have as many guys as we can from Epic going to this event. The age ranges. That's a great question from there. It is winning at work. I would most likely say that it's, most, it's going to be adult type. It's because it's just giving us the winning at work. It's in the workplace. So most likely above high school. And I'm just going with that. Now, see me after service. and I'll get you a definitive answer on that. Um, well... If you've been coming to Epic for a while and you've decided to set aside a portion of your finances to help support what we do here, to help impact Flagler County and beyond, we thank you for your generosity. And remember, if you want to continue to do that, there's two ways you can. We have giving boxes that are set up behind the seating sections on the tables, or you can visit our website. Once again, it's theepicchurch.com, and you can give securely online. If you are new with us, you're a guest, you're just checking this whole thing out, please feel no obligation whatsoever to give. In fact, allow this service to be our gift to you. As you can see, this is our Christmas service, which means that we are not going to be meeting next week. Since the inception of Epic, we have taken off the last Sunday in December to give everybody some rest, give an opportunity to spend some time with family during the Christmas season and get geared up for the new year. So no service next week, but on January 3rd, we're going to get back here, same time, 9.15, 11 a.m., and we're going to kick off a brand new series. So I invite you to come back, not next week, but the week after, which is January 3rd. So if you would allow me to just pray for you real quick, then Trent's going to come out and we will continue with our service. So, God, I just want to thank you uh, for today and for all that you've given us. You know, uh, Christmas is just around the corner, and a lot of people are going to gather and they're going to share gifts. Um, but, Lord, I want to thank you for the greatest gift of all, and that is your son, Jesus. Uh, he's given us all that we need. I mean, we're good, our wish list is complete. Our needs, our wants, our prayers have been answered because you have presented us with hope and love and forgiveness. So Lord, I thank you for everyone who decided to come and celebrate with us this morning. And I pray for your blessings upon us and that we would have a very Merry Christmas. And I pray all these things, Lord, in your powerful name. Amen.